Wow, if you will, take out this. You should have got a yellow card that looks like this. Uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to do something with this. Uh, because uh, we do faith uh, twice a year with the emphasis to be intentional to share Jesus Christ with people, what he can do and how he wants to be a part of their lives. So uh, go ahead and put your name in it, name on it and the phone number or whatever, but uh, you ain't got to fill it all out. That's just name and phone number. You say, I ain't got time for that. Good. Put your name and phone number on there. We'll figure out the rest. But uh, there's a place for you as you hear the message today. Maybe you want to be a learner for the first time and get involved and spend 10 weeks learning how to share your testimony or share your story and how to really talk to people about trusting Christ. That'd be incredible. And maybe you've never done that. We'd love for you to do that with us this semester. Maybe you want to come back as an assistant leader or team leader. You've been gone through the process and you just want to go to the next level. That would be incredible. And maybe you want to be a prayer partner. Just pray with us. Everybody ought to commit to pray. And then uh, maybe there's something new here. Commit to ask the key question to someone or one time or share your story once with someone this season. And meaning for 10 weeks, find a, someone to share your story of how you met Jesus. Because I believe we need to be intentional. Why? Because people need Jesus. People need Jesus. Now, either we believe that or we don't. And if we don't believe that, then we just come and show up and have a good time and keep doing life the way we've always done it. But if we really believe that, it'll change our focus, it'll change our passion, it'll change our intensity because people need Jesus. And a matter of fact, Jesus made that very clear in John 10, 10 when he said this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Meaning there's, there's someone out there whose greatest desire is to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your life as teenagers. He wants to get you guys so messed up that you can't climb out of the hole you get in. He wants to mess up your lives as adults, that it destroys relationships and opportunity and potential. He, meaning the devil, desires to destroy lives. That's what he does. It's his purpose to come and take from you, take from you joy and opportunity to to, to uh, derail you, to even kill you through things you can get involved in and people you can get involved with. He has come to do nothing but bring bad to your life. But there is an alternative. Jesus said this, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but my purpose, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, or put another way, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. That means overflowing. That means when you finally find your relationship with Christ and you begin to experience his grace and love and power, your life becomes uh, overflowing with grace and love and kindness to others when you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It changes how you do life. It changes how you see people. And so what happens is you begin to realize other people need what you have. And we need to be intentional in sharing what do you mean by intentional? There's a lot of things we do intentional. I go to a ball game intentionally to watch football. I do that intentionally. I just don't get end up there by accident. I get in the car, buy a ticket, and go to the football game. I go to the golf course intentionally. I have, to put, I have to get in the car, put my golf clubs in the car, put my golf shoes in the car. I drive there. I do that intentionally. I just don't, Wow. Guess what? I showed up at the golf course. I tried to tell my wife that one time, and she said, that ain't how it works. <laughs> I don't know why I got there. I don't know how I got there. 
No, we know that don't make sense. But why do we think witnessing and sharing our faith is just, well, it'll happen one day. I'll just end up doing it. No, you won't. You got to be intentional. You got to be on purpose. Because Jesus said, I came on purpose. I left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinner's life, and died on a cross so that you could have heaven as your home and forgiveness every day of your life. So people need Jesus because people all around us need that. I'll put in the introduction, all people, all people need can be found in Jesus. It's important. All people will ever need, they'll find in Jesus. People need to break free from their past and experience a fulfilling life now and forever. That's the good news. Man, he can do something now. He can get you break free from the guilt and the shame and the failure and begin to build you a new direction, new life with a new destination and a new destiny. So that's why people need Jesus because we all have a past we need to be broke from and we all have things we need to start over in and that's why we need Jesus. So here we go. There's, in saying that, he talks about giving a life that's both quality and quantity. It's a life that's unlike any other. It's a life only he can give. It's a God life he puts in us. And it's an eternal life that never, never, never stops. He says, I've come to give you an amazing life that's everlasting. If you will come to me. You got to break from the guy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy and come to me. Now, there's three kinds of people that need the Lord. I'm going to share them with you. As I share them with you, perhaps somebody's name, when I talk about each of these three, somebody's name may come across your mind that fits that category. You might want to write it on the back of this or write it in your sermon notes because you need to start praying for them and figure out how you can be intentional with them. But let's look at the categories. You ready? The first one is this. There are people who need Jesus but do not know it. There's people who need to be rescued from sin, but they don't know it. You say, what do you mean? Well, there's people that are really so, uh, first of all, I think there's the, um, the, the, uh, act, the actively religious. Man, they're so caught up in doing religion, doing church and doing things like that, have a creed to live by and have rules to follow. And they're doing that so much, they don't realize they need Jesus. They've got their church they go to, their denomination they're in. They got all the stuff they do. They got the stuff they memorize and commit to and fight over because they're religious. But they don't know Jesus. And sometimes you got that person that's, uh, that's amazingly good. I mean, they are just so good. They do, they, they're kind. You, like, you want to be your neighbor. You want to be your friend because they're so good. They're kind and generous and they treat people right. And sometimes they don't realize they need Jesus because they're good. And they'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm better than most people who go to church. Probably true. But you still need Jesus. Don't know it. And some people, they're just artfully deceived. Man, they've been deceived by the darkness and by the devil. They think they're okay. They think they're fine because of maybe they've had what they've been told by someone or or what they did is, and maybe they were baptized and had an emotional experience, but nothing took root spiritually, and they don't need, and they, they don't realize they need Jesus. They're just going through life thinking, I, I got it made, no. And so here's what we realize: these three these three things really contribute to not realizing not realizing that you need the Lord. You just don't know. You don't just don't know it. Well. 
Let me give you a biblical illustration. A guy named Nicodemus. A guy named Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, I got I to gotta talk to you. Some things, I've been listening to what you say and paying attention, and I need to get it. What, tell me, and before we go any further, Jesus said, let me just help you out. Let me cut through the chase. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to have eternal life, you must be born again, Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus didn't know. He didn't, he didn't realize what his need really was because he was a great religious guy. He was there every time the doors was open, doing everything they wanted to do, new scripture. He was great, but he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know he had a need until Jesus said, you got to be born again. I don't know how that works, man. I'm old. I can't get back my mother's womb. He said, I'm talking about spiritual birth, man. I'm talking about something that God does inside you, miraculously and supernaturally and spiritually. That'll change your life. That's what needs to happen. It needs to happen for all of us if we've never trusted Christ. There's another guy named Saul of Tarsus. He was so religious, he thought Christians were the bad guys because they were competing with the God of Judaism. And he said, I'm going to kill all you guys, put you guys in jail, and shut y'all up. He had no idea he needed Jesus. He thought he was on the right track, doing the right thing. And then one day he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He said, why are you doing this to me, man? Why is this my people? What is wrong? How long are you going to fight this conviction of needing to give me your heart? And finally, he realized he needed Jesus. And it forever changed his life. I look around. I see people like this all the time. Some of you have been that person. You were in church, did all kind of church work, and found one day... I, I asked Judy, could I use her as an illustration this morning? She said, yeah. Uh, Judy Graham, um, when I came here, she was busy doing stuff. and did, you know, She'd been training director and all kind of stuff. Busy, busy, busy. Highly involved. But you know what? I'll never forget the day she came into my office and said, I got to talk to you. I said, what is it? She began crying and said, I have lived a lie for 20 years. I need to be saved. When he was didn't know it. Too busy to be still and hear the voice of God. A lot of people that way. They begin to get conviction. They go, let me just do more. No, no, no. Don't do more. Man, get it right. And so I think about uh, uh, Joe Jordan who came forward in 2003 and said, I'm a great church member. Said, I just need to get my, for 13 years I've been really wrestling with, was I or wasn't I saved? See, there's people who don't know they need Jesus, and we need to be the one that helps them discover that by the way we share with them, by the way we love them, by the way we minister to them, by the way we care about them. Be intentional, saying, look, tell me your story. Tell me about how you met the Lord. Tell me, and and listen, and, and then be gracious to let the Holy Spirit use you. There's a second category. There are people who need Jesus and know it, but do not know what to do. Wow. There's a lot of people like that, and that's why it's so important that we're intentional because they, they know they need Jesus. They're trying to figure out how to make it happen. They think, maybe I need to go to church more. Maybe, maybe I need to read my Bible an hour a day, or maybe I need to buy some more books from the Christian bookstore and read these books. No, no, no. Let me tell you why people have a hard time knowing how to do it. 
He said, I've come to give you life, life abundantly. How does that, how does that happen? Well, I know Jesus is real. I know he died on the cross. I believe he's in the Bible. But how do I get there? Well, you've got to receive grace. The way you receive grace is come to the point to realize you can't save yourself. You can't earn what God wants to do for you. You can't make it happen by anything you do. You receive the grace of God, which is undeserved, unmerited favor. He does something for you because he loves you, not because you deserve it or you earn it or you can pay for it. It's a gift based on his love for you. And it requires this little thing called repentance that says, I'm changing my mind about what I think about being right with God. For a long time, we think being right with God is doing stuff and being somewhere and and giving and all these things. No, that has nothing to do with being right with God. People do that all the time. They're not right with God. Being right with God is finally surrendering and saying, here I am just as I am. I receive your grace. I don't bring anything to the table but all my life as it is, good and bad. And I'm turning from trying to save myself. And I'm changing my mind about how I can know you and be right with you. And I'm changing my direction in life. I'm willing to turn from everything to have you. And you receive his grace. For Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest we would boast. So he's saying, guys, you've got to come to a point to receive grace. That's kind of hard for some people because they think we've got to work for everything. Man, I've got to make this happen. I've got to work. No, you've just got to receive God's grace. The second thing is you respond through faith. That requires confession. I come to the point to confess what the Bible says about me, I'm a sinner. What the Bible says about Jesus, he's my Savior. And what the Bible says about simply trusting him. Put this way, forsaking all, I trust him. That's what we teach in faith. That's how you do it. Forsaking all, I trust him. There's people all around us that are like that. My wife was like that. She knew she needed Jesus. Didn't know what to do about it. And she'd been in church every Sunday, guys. She'd heard hundreds of sermons. She not only heard my sermons. She'd be at pastor's conferences and hear a lot of great preacher's sermons. She taught Sunday school. Matter of fact, in my first church, the, the first two people that were saved, she led them to the Lord in Sunday school class. And all this time, she struggled and knew that she needed Jesus but didn't know what to do. And then one day, the Lord just really made it so clear. She just simply finally said, I receive. I, I surrender. I give up. I, I, I'm receiving you. Received his grace. Responded through faith. She confessed it publicly because she wasn't ashamed. 2003. People need to know what to do. Philippian jailer said to Paul when he had midnight revival and singing and sharing, and he said, and the jail doors flew open, and the jail was shaken, and the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself, and Paul said, don't do yourself no harm, we're nobody's going nowhere, man, we're just having revival, and they said, he said, well, what do I do to be saved? I've been listening to your music, been kind of seeing what your God's doing, but what do I need to do? You believe, man, forsake all and trust him. Receive his grace, respond through faith, like a child would, just like a simple child. Guys are all around us, all around us.
I have a, a man I'm, I've been sharing with. God's kind of put us together. It's a unique setting. Um, and the other day, uh, what had happened was uh, we, we began to talk, and I asked him what I could help him. He began to share, and, and man, he's looking for Jesus. He really is. He told me that. He said, man, I, I've, been in, I've been in a Baptist church all my life. I've done, I know this. I've done that. I've been involved with this. He said, but I, Tim, I don't know how to trust him. I don't know how to make that step. I said, so we're going to talk about that because God's about got you there. The other day, uh, I saw him in, in, with his, one of his family members, and, and uh, a couple of the golf buddies were there, and, and uh, he said, I want you to meet, uh, meet my family, and, and I inter- you know, he introduced me, and he introduced them, and, and then he said, I want you to meet the guy who's in charge of saving my soul. I said, well, not quite, but I'm here to point you the way. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, hey, hey, I'm not the one who's going to do it, but man, we're going to work on it. Because the Lord's going to get you there. He's going to save you. And he said, I know that. And he said, I'm just wanting to, uh, he said, just got, I'm, uh, and it, so I'm telling you, people are out there. They are out there. I promise you they are. I promise you they are. Charlene's tag has given me more. The last few weeks, it's been amazing. Her tag says March 16. I've been asked every week, what does that mean? And, the other, and, I, and I'll tell people, and they go, okay, man, that's kind of that's cool. Yeah. Now let's talk about you. That's her date. What's your date? Be intentional. Day, I really was at the golf course, and I, and I carried her testimony just to give to this guy. I said, I want you to read this now. All right, I will. I said, it'll tell you how to, how to make that transition into believing, trusting. God's going to open the door for you. He's going to open your eyes to see. You see, that's the key. It's not just being a good Baptist or a good church member or a good whatever denomination you may be. It's about really knowing Jesus. And really coming to have that relationship with him. It doesn't matter what all you've done. He is not looking at your resume of church activity. He's looking at your heart. He wants to know where you are with him. And so you've got to do that. There's one more category. There are people who need Jesus and know what to do but have never acted on it. They just haven't acted on it. Oh, they know the answer. They know what to do. They know they need Jesus. They know, how, they know the repentance and confession, the, the receiving grace, responding through faith. They just don't want to do it yet. They procrastinate. They know one day we will. I know I need to one day. Let me tell you th- some reasons why people do that. Number one is the pride factor. They have too much pride. What are people going to say? I'm going to be embarrassed. I promise you. You will not really be embarrassed. That's just a lie of the devil. I, I promise you won't. Uh, when, Char, when Charlene was coming to grips with her, with her decision, and on a Friday night she's talking to me, she says, okay, I'm, I'm making this decision, and I'm going to come forward Sunday because I know that's what God wants me to do. But I just don't know what's going to happen. Do you think they'll fire you? <laughs> True story. True story. You know where that came from? That came from the devil. He does that kind of stuff all. He plays with our mind all the time. He goes, oh, man, you can't act on this. If you act on this, people are going to laugh at you. They're not going to be your friend no more. Uh, that, that's some may, but most are going to cheer for you. And you lose some friends, you pick up some new friends. Right. But it's a pride factor. Well, I just don't want to be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed about meeting Jesus. 
I tell you what's embarrassing. Seeing him at the great white throne judgment and hear him say, depart from me, I don't know you. That's embarrassing. Now, pride factor. Man, I'm just too proud. Well, then if you're too proud, you never will make that decision. And that's a tragedy. Because you're believing I'm good enough. You're not believing what God said about you. You're believing a lie. The other is a fear factor. The fear factor is, well, what will it cost me? You think I'll have to give up my job? We're afraid of things we don't even know. Well, God may want you to give up your job, only if he has something else for you. Ah, That's his business. Uh, We're afraid of things. Well, you know, will I lose all my friends? and, And what fear factor? We're afraid. Some people are afraid they can't live the Christian life. I would be saved, but pastor, I'd give him, I'd give him a heart, but I'm not sure I can hang in there and hold out. You know whose job it is to hang in and hold out with you? Jesus. He said, I'll get you to the finish line. Matter of fact, you're my responsibility. Once you become part of my kingdom, I will get you to the finish line. Just trust me. All around us, all around us, all around us. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what can I do to have eternal life? He said, well, you've been a pretty good guy. I'm familiar with your resume. You've told me all these things you've done. But I want to get, I want, he wanted him to understand something about his heart. His heart wasn't right. He said, so, you know, you said you've kept all the rules and all the commandments. You've got all knocked. You're good. You're religious. But he wouldn't let go of everything to be saved. And here's what he said to him. Sell all you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says he walked away sad because he was very rich. He was not willing to let go of stuff in this life for eternal life. People are that way. I promise you it's worth a trade. I close with this last story. You need to get your cards ready, guys. Last story. Friend of mine, Bill Purvis, pastors Cascade Hills in Columbus, great pastor, been there forever. And um, when he was just a little older than you guys, uh, just out of high school, uh, living like he wanted to live, doing what he wanted to do, didn't like the rules, tough guy. On a Thursday night, someone knocked on his door. He goes to the door and opens it, and there's, there's somebody visiting from the church. Being intentional. And he didn't like that. He tried to kind of go, I don't want to hear this. And look, I'm not interested. I don't really need that. I'm never going to go to your church. You know, you waste your time. Don't bother me. He said, I really was rude to him. But he said, the guy said, can I just tell you one thing, and then I'll leave. All you'll ever need You'll find in Jesus. That's all he told him. And Bill slammed the door, laughed at him, and kind of said, that's a crazy thing I've heard. Glad he's gone. A couple of days pass, and he gets with his buddy, and he said, you know, I've never been with a prostitute. I want to be with a prostitute. So they get something set up, and they're, they're, they're met to meet, and, 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 he's, and he's with this prostitute, and he realizes in the middle of what's going on that he's in the middle of a setup pimp comes in and they're basically going to rob him and probably kill him he realized what's happened when the pimp pulls a knife out he runs and he played football so he got just hit him head on and 
trying to run through in the process, he got his throat cut. Comes out the door, he's holding his throat, he's bleeding, and, he, and he's saying to his buddy, and he's trying to talk, and buddy gets the nearest phone, calls an ambulance, says, my, my friend's throat's been cut, get here quick, and in the process, I want you to listen to this, in the process, clenching his throat, hoping, he's, his, his story, he said, I knew I was dying. I wouldn't know I was going to live. And he said, you know what I remember? A guy on my doorstep on a Thursday night saying, all you'll ever need, you'll find in Jesus. He said, I, he said, he said, I just told God, I said, God, I, I, I'm dying and I don't want to go to hell. I want you to save me. Because this guy said, all I'll ever need, I'll find in you. And the Lord saved him. Not just, he got to the hospital. He's still a legend in Columbus, Georgia. Because everybody says he should have died. He should have died. But that wasn't God's plan for his life. Because he'd become an amazing preacher of the gospel. Had a little rasp in his voice. But he acted on God's call in his life. And he had something to fall back on because someone in his life had been intentional. Guys, I want to talk to you. You need to be intentional. Whether you're on the football field, the cheerleading squad, the basketball team, the softball team, the baseball team, the basketball team, you need to be intentional. Whether you're the, the, the whiz in the math class or you, you're, the, you're, you're the, the number one seat in the band, you need to be intentional with your faith. Whether you're in the marketplace or, or the neighborhood or the office place or, or the classroom, guys, somewhere you got to be aware that there's someone you're supposed to talk to and share with and have impact for eternity's sake on their life. And if we go through life saying, well, I just want to enjoy life. I just want to have fun, enjoy the ride. And, and when I'm going to go to heaven one day, you're going to be sadly disappointed that you've missed out on an awful lot. Because I think the big thing with God is how many people we bring with us. Just saying. If you have perfect attendance Sunday school for 15 years, that's great. But if you don't bring about heaven with you, that ain't much at all. Be intentional. 